Welcome into Teal the Show Plus. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Jaguars are rolling at this point. They're heading into the bye week, a five-game winning streak. That means the team is 6-2. and two. It was a little bit of an interesting start yep. to the season. They were 1-2, and two, but things have really smoothed out since then and got right where the team wants them to be. Stabilized. You know, five-game winning streak, I did not see this coming. I didn't see the season playing out like this. I thought they'd be one game worse than they are now, but they've just had a fantastic start, really kind of inverse the way that I thought this would go. I thought the offense would kind of be leading the way while the defense was not really regressed, but a little bit behind that offense. But it has been completely flipped. The defense has kind of headlined it and picked up the slack in, in the offense as they learn its way. Yeah, the Jaguars' offense has definitely maybe not been up to the level that many of us expected it to be at, but the defense has picked up the slack, really been carrying, playing like one of the better groups in the NFL right now. Um, I've said it before, Jaguars are a defensive football team, and I still stand by that right now. All right, Jaguars in the team history. There haven't been a whole lot of fast starts to years. The right. last time the Jaguars had a similar start to this. This is the Jaguars' best start since 1999. Take a look at some of the big events from the year 1999, a little bit of a blast from the past. Music service was Napster that was created. I'm sure some folks remember that. How about Brandy Chastain winning PK in Women's World Cup? Gas price was just $1.24. Can we get those times back? I mean, wow. Yeah, that's. I downloaded <laughs> a few from Napster. And then uh, how, these names John Elway, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Jamal, those are the, the golden era. That definitely was. And then Mark Brunel, of course, we know over here over at Channel 4 was the Jaguars quarterback at the time. So uh, it's been a while since 1999. How about uh, where were we in 1999? How about a couple of old pictures? We had to dust off and go track these down. Uh, Justin Whoa. hanging out in a shopping cart and then... Uh, there I am in a school photo. So <laughs> 1999, been a while ago. But uh, so the Jaguars are in good territory, rare territory here in franchise history. Yeah, you know, and that shopping cart photo was actually work-related. I had just gotten finished covering a Jaguars-Jets game up in East Rutherford, so it's oh. not as crazy as it looks. Hey, look at that. Yeah, I, was, I had a friend pushing me through uh, a shopping cart uh, through a parking lot not too far from the stadium there, and I remember being up there, and there was fires burning in the parking lot of that Monday night football game. The Jets fans not happy that they lost, but Jamal, I love the picture of you here back in 99. Man, alive. If you could, told, if you could tell Jamal right there, what would you tell him? I'm not sure. Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't know what I would tell Jamal in 1999, because he was worried about much simpler things at the time. I will tell you that for sure. All right, uh, look, there, there's a lot of questions around this Jaguars team. Uh, most of them confidence. It's tough to complain when the team's 6-2, and two, right? Yeah, I know people are it's kind of splitting hairs, uh, being that's upset exactly about things. Doing. You're, right. you're doing that. You're complaining about a team that's 6-2. and two. Yeah, there are problems. But again, it's a good problem to have, right? Right. And, and nationally, I think people are much lower on this team than we are here locally. Uh, so let's start our tired or wired. And the big question is, are the Jaguars the best team in the NFL? Let's just lead off with it, rip the Band-Aid right off. I, I don't know. I think they're in that conversation. I don't think they're there yet. And again, I think Chiefs are probably the best team in the NFL, even with the loss yesterday. But I think Jags are, are, are in that conversation as a top five team, maybe even a top four team in the NFL through eight weeks of the season. That's not something we could have said even last year at this time. 
Uh, I'll, I'll go, if you say Chiefs, I think the other team from the Super Bowl last year has really been the one playing at like the best team in the league right now. How about the Philadelphia Eagles? I mean, that brotherly shove is like a secret <laughs> weapon out there. Uh, there. I mean, there's questions about just how healthy Jalen Hurts and the knee injury that's been lingering for him. But the Eagles have been lights out. They have the best record in the NFL right now. So uh, that just kind of tells you where they're at among things. We'll see what happens. But yeah, definitely the Chiefs. I think yep. the Jaguars are definitely hanging out toward that upper crust. Uh, you look at the, if we started doing power rankings, Jaguars would definitely be in the top five. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so few times in franchise history. I mean, maybe you talk about 99 where they're that best team in the NFL, but there have not been many times at all, period, in franchise history where they're even considered top three. So it's just a remarkable job what Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence have done and Mike Caldwell have done in a short period of time in Jacksonville to even have them in that conversation as a top five team in the league. All right, so that brings us to our next question because only two teams yeah. can make it to the Super Bowl and one team ends the year happy. Can the Jaguars make it to the Super Bowl? It's midway point in the season, so do you think they can make it there? I'm going to stick with what I said last week. I think Jags... The ceiling for them this year, AFC Championship game. Hey, that's not a disappointment. That's not, it's not Las Vegas, not the Super Bowl, but I think they are an AFC Championship team right now. They're going to be better in the second half of the season than they were in the first. They've not played with a complete arsenal yet. They're going to be very good in the second half of the season, but I don't think they are Vegas bound just yet. Who's your AFC Super Bowl team? Got to be the Chiefs. Got to be the Chiefs? Yeah, I'm sticking with I the Chiefs. Before the season, I said it. I'm going to stay know, pretty comfortable with where I'm at. I Every once in a while, and at least in my history in this industry, every so often I'll make some sort of outlandish thing. And people, I get the crazy looks. Last year I said before the season I thought the Jaguars were going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and I explained it, and I stuck to my guns. And somehow, yeah. some way through a spooky month of October a year ago, it, <laughs> it all came together. Every so often you just get that feeling. You right. stick with your gut instinct. Before the season, I said the Jaguars were going to make it to the Super Bowl. He did. I, uh, I am. I am. I bear witness to it. You did. I mean, the, the storyline <laughs> last year was you stuck to it. In week zero, you said the AFC South is not good. Yep. That gave the Jaguars that inside light, and he stuck to it all season. He said it before the season start. I'm a witness to that. Yes, and I, I will own it the whole way right now. I just I feel like this team. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so sorry about that, but my, my prediction is that they'll get to the Super Bowl and lose. Um, but a Super Bowl is a Super Bowl, and at the very least, you're in the game. Right, absolutely. So I, they've I never been there. They've never been there, so it would be a first time. I think they have what it takes. At some point, I, I know the, the roadblock that stands in the way of them getting to the Super Bowl is that Kansas City Chiefs team. But what I've seen from Doug Peterson and that coaching staff, at some point, I just feel like, Andy Reid's not going to keep beating Doug. <laughs> like, I just, there's just at some point you feel like he's going to be like, look, I'm tired of losing to this guy. So, look, it was a close game yeah, early was. in the season. I thought the Jaguars had a chance to win it. Still think they did, and they just missed their opportunities. Uh, if they meet again, if it's a similar game, I just feel like the Jaguars are going to have that, that extra step. At some point, they're going to get over that hump and take down that Chiefs team. And it would be remarkable if that game was here. And that would make a big round. difference. That would be great. That would make a big difference. Because, you at, know, a night game at the bank, oh, just yeah. different atmosphere. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And you're right there. I mean, right there at this point now, the Jaguars, again, eight weeks through the season, yep. they're in the conversation as maybe a team that could sneak out and have that number one overall seed in the AFC. It's crazy to think about it, but... Stranger things have happened. They are in that conversation. They're tied with the Kansas City Chiefs record-wise right now, so all they need to do is keep the pace on. It's definitely a possibility that the playoffs could come through Jacksonville, which if that happens, then, of course, 
Anything can happen at right. that point because then you got to come through the bank to get there. So now with Super Bowl aspirations firmly on the Jaguars' radar, uh, I think you can confidently say that when at this point you're 6-2. and two. Super Bowl aspirations are there. Trade deadline is tomorrow. Do you, what do the Jaguars do? Do they stand pat or do they go out and make a deal? I, I think you've got to go out and make a deal. You've got some areas on the team that need to be shored up. There were areas that we talked about in the offseason Pass rusher, yeah, Josh Allen has had a great year. Trayvon is starting to put things together. You've got some production out of Caleb on Chase on. But if you are in a win-now mode for the Jaguars, which they should be, you've got to go out and address that. You've got to go out and address either a pass rusher, you've got to get a backup running back or somebody behind Travis Etienne who can take a little bit of that load off and maybe some offensive line depth. So I think you've got to be buyers at the deadline if you're Jacksonville. They were last year with Calvin Ridley. I think they need to go out and make a move on Tuesday, not mortgage the future, but again, you're in that window. The window does not stay open for long. We've seen it with teams. Sure. Go out and make a move. We'll, we'll talk more specifics on certain players here in just a minute. Uh, but look, I, I'm, I think they're in this weird dynamic where they really want to get their young players reps, and that held them back from making some deals for maybe a Jadavion Clowney, because that would have taken reps away from young players on the roster. And don't get me wrong, they do need to get those young players reps because the Jaguars are, the window's cracked right now for them as far as a Super Bowl window, it's cracked. But with so many young players that are going to be due their cash soon, right. the salary cap is going to start to come more and more into play because you have to start to think about the Walker Littles, the right. Trevor Lawrences, the Calvin Ridley, who's also a free agent, the Josh Allens of the world. All of these guys are due for contracts yep. and none of them are going to be cheap. And I didn't even go through the full list. So in order to keep that window cracked, they have to start hitting on draft picks. Only way to find out if you hit on a draft pick is to get the guy out on the field. And if you go and get a Jadavion Clowney, who's a veteran rental, if you go and get one of these pass rushers that we'll discuss a little bit later on, who are also possible rentals who would then be due deals after the season is done, you still don't find out what a Yasir Abdullah could possibly right. do, even though he's not getting a ton of playing time right now. Uh, that would just definitely eviscerate any possibility of getting him out there on the field. So those are the sorts of dynamics that they're playing with. I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, the, anything we say right now is definitely guessing. Right. Um, if I was them, I'd probably go see what was out there. I wouldn't mortgage the future, though. Uh, I would definitely only trade draft picks from this year, which, because of the Calvin Ridley trade, the second, third, and fourth round draft pick are already tied up. But they also have another pick in the fourth round. So the best you could trade is a fourth round. I'm not trading a first round pick. Not with just where they're at in the build. I wouldn't do it. So you mentioned Travis Etienne just a minute ago. And Travis Etienne is leading the NFL in touches right now. Right. So he's been a heavy workload and a big part of the reason the Jaguars are winning games. Are you worried about the workload? Absolutely. And I think that's why you've got to at least consider kicking the tires on a running back at the trade deadline. Okay, nobody on the roster right now, Darius Johnson has actually played well in the limited touches he's had. Tank Bigsby has not been it. We thought he'd be that guy to kind of take a little bit of that load off Travis. Has not happened yet. He had a big turnover against the Steelers on Sunday. So you've just not had that guy. So I think you got to you – know, Travis has played phenomenal this year. Can he keep that up over 17 games and possibly three playoff games? I don't think you can, you can hit your wagon to that. I think you've got to at least explore the potential to add another piece in the backfield. Running backs are cheap. Running backs are cheap. So explore that. Yes, I'm worried about the mileage on Travis at this point in the season. Hey, look, I, at this point – 
you keep riding him. He's the hot hand. It's working. Uh, they're going to try and get some weight off of his shoulders along the way. They will try and get some weight off his shoulders. I don't think you go get a guy. I'm not concerned with it. Because keep in mind, when we start talking about the touches he's up there with, he's up there with a guy like Christian McCaffrey because Christian is the best running back in the NFL. I don't think there's much argument there. Travis is playing like one of the better running backs in the NFL. And what do you do when you have a guy who's playing like that? You get him the ball different ways. I mean, we've talked about Derrick Henry for years. You covered him in high school. How many touches has this guy had over the course of his life? We keep saying, oh, at some point, Derrick's going to slow down and the Titans won't be as dangerous. But somehow, he just keeps going out there still, and doing, still it. doing it. Look, I, I understand maybe the concern that can he continue this workload because he's not a bigger guy. Uh, but he's not taking the same amount of, like, big hits that we saw him taking last year. He's done a good job. Uh, during the offseason of altering the way he runs and understanding that he needs to run a little bit behind his pads and be cognizant of not taking those big right. hits. Like last year, felt like every time he got tackled, everybody kind of held their breath because <laughs> he, he was getting launched, I mean, yeah. off his feet. This year, I can't think of one time that I've just looked at and said, oh, man, that's a big hit that Travis just took. Am I missing one? Yeah. I don't can't think of one. I think the biggest hit I saw Travis take last year was in training camp. Oh, it was yeah. training camp. It, I, it was unbelievable how he got wrecked in the game, and then it seemed like the first few weeks of the season last year he was taking hit after hit after hit he was putting the ball on the ground but he's not taking that this year yeah I worry about the durability issues anytime you've got a guy like that breaking down through 17 games you don't have a primary backup to him so yeah I'm a little worried about that but yeah I'm with you I'm agreement keep feeding the guy he's doing well he's handling it but I do worry a little bit about that durability just because he's not that big of a guy. Yeah, he's not. And Travis doesn't have a long history of injuries. The one he had with the Jaguars was a freak injury, and that's one of the few injuries he's had in his entire football career. So we'll see what happens. All right, so we're kind of at the halfway-ish mark of the season, so let's do some offensive and defensive MVPs. Let's go with mine first. Uh, my offensive MVP is Brandon McManus. Uh, look, the Jaguars' offense has not been lighting up the scoreboard, but this guy has. Brandon McManus has been lights out, automatic. He trots out there. He's 17 for 19, and he, it just feels like he goes out there, and you're like, all right, count the points. Uh, he has been perfect for this team. Last year, we were questioning some of the fourth down tries that Doug Peterson went with. Now he doesn't have to do that because he can just try it out McManus and take the three. Yeah, you saw it yesterday. Unbelievable. Game changer. I mean, four field goals against the Steelers. You're not worried about him on kickoffs. I mean, he's, he's hitting every PAT. He's got the leg. I mean, 50-yard field goals in the past were either go for it on fourth down or punt it away. I mean, you didn't have that range when you did not have Brandon McManus. He has totally changed the game. He's been a huge asset for Jacksonville, especially on a game like against the Steelers where the offense is kind of treading water. But Brandon McManus put that game away on Sunday. He has been a fantastic addition to the Jaguars offense for sure. All right, and then my defensive MVP, I kind of played with this one a little bit, but I landed on Darius Williams. Darius Williams has been phenomenal. I mean, at, at the rate he's going, he's leading the league in passes defended. He could have had at least one interception yeah. if uh, George Pickens doesn't literally pull his face mask as he's falling down on Sunday, which would have got him up to four. But three interceptions, he hit, had those straight. I mean, he has been fantastic this year. Lights out. If he keeps on the pace he's on, he's going to be an all-pro, at least getting votes at the end of the year for an all-pro. Maybe the be one of the better seasons of his career. He is playing phenomenal for the hometown team. You love to see it from Darius. Absolutely. I mean, he is a, again, Darius Williams did not follow the proverbial 
path to the NFL that many people do. He was an undrafted free agent. He was out of football for a little bit, came back, went to JUCO here, took a path to UAB, undrafted free agent. He wins a Super Bowl with the Rams. It's just a remarkable thing. Oh, by the way, he grew up here. He played his high school ball at Creekside. Just a remarkable story. And for him to have the season that he's had, I mean, I would have taken Darius Williams as the team's defensive MVP had Jamal not had. I mean, he has played remarkable, almost had that fourth pick to match his career high. He has been fantastic, especially with Tyson Campbell being out. All right, I gave the kicker some love for my offensive MVP. Justin has a little bit of a different offensive MVP here, but it's not a guy that I can argue with, Justin. Yeah, I think you and I would have almost flipped these. I mean, mine could have been yours, yours could have been mine. My offensive MVP is really not much of a question here. Travis Etienne has been phenomenal. We talked about the touches, um, 849 total yards. He's been more of a threat in the receiving game this year. Had a receiving touchdown against the Steelers. And his seven touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, have been phenomenal. He had five total touchdowns last year, so he's already surpassed that. The big thing for me, no fumbles at all. He had fumble problem early on last year. He had three lost fumbles, put more on the ground. And Travis has been excellent on the road six times he's hit the end zone in road games so he's getting it done away from the bank you love to see that growth from travis i am worried about the durability but so far through eight games he has handled everything he has been phenomenal my offensive MVP of the first half, probably yours too, yeah. if you had not chosen Brandon McManus. Look, Travis, I mean, technically McManus is a special teamer, but look, <laughs> points are points. Look, Travis Etienne has been fantastic. I mean, he's playing lights out. He has improved his game so much from a year ago. I mean, I remember last year talking to him in the locker room, asking him about, you know, hey, you, you keep breaking off these long runs. At some point, you'd like to break off a long run for a touchdown. This year, it's like he can't not find the end zone in a game at this point. So he has been absolutely lights out. All right, your defensive MVP. I don't think there's much, no, much question with this. Although I could have gone Darius Williams, yes. I did go with Josh Allen because, again, he has been a headliner. He's been my guy since before the season started. Jamal and I've been talking back and forth on who would have that better year, Josh Allen or Trayvon. And so far, it's been Josh. Nine sacks, two forced fumbles. He's on pace for 19 sacks this season. Just remarkable. He's playing on the fifth-year option, so Josh is going to cost a lot of money. For the Jaguars next year, tied for second in the league with sack. You know, he had 10 and a half as a rookie. He has not approached that since then, and he has just been on pace this year to blow that rookie season out of the water. He has been the only thing they've had on that pass rush, yes. and he has had a remarkable year. Contract year for Josh. He is validating that. He is my defensive MVP. Yeah, the, the price just keeps going up for this guy. The Packers just extended this week Rashawn Gary to a contract that was worth $107 million. And let's just go on ahead and say Josh is having a better year than him and is a better player oh, than no. him. So when I kept saying this is a $100 million kind of deal for him, uh, it's going to be a $100 million kind, dollar kind of deal. Look, I, he is 100% the most important player on the Jaguars' defense because if something happens to him, what happens to the pass rush? Right. right now, he's the guy who's getting the job done. Um, and Justin and I have been split going into the season uh, on who would lead the team in sacks. Uh, he's clearly leading the doghouse because he picked Josh Allen. Um, now, so. now, some of Josh's sacks, you and I will discuss there, this. There have been a few. There have been a few of those sacks. He's got nine sacks. Not all nine of those have been the true sacks. The T.J. Watt kind of sacks, Aaron Donald kind of sacks you think of. Some of those have been touch sacks. Some of those have been, you know, pushing Anthony Richardson out of bound for no gain. So, yeah, nine sacks on the stat sheet. But he has been more impactful to me in just getting to the quarterback, changing the plays, helping out with that run defense. Josh Allen has had a phenomenal year 
outside of those sacks, and really those sacks do not tell the whole story of how impactful he has been in this contract year for that Jaguars defense. All right, so let's talk trade deadline now. So the trade deadline is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Justin and I both picked one player that we think would be a perfect target or a perfect fit for the Jaguars um, and maybe that they could be interested in. Uh, we both zeroed in on one thing and kind of agreed. Pass rush would be the way to go. If you're going to make it through to the Super Bowl, through the AFC, you have to go through the Joe Burrows, the Justin Herberts, the Patrick Mahomes. You need players that can infect the passer. Right now, Josh Allen's been the guy getting the job done. So both of us are gonna have agreed on different players, though, that uh, would be good fits. Let's go with mine first. I think it's a guy who might come a little bit cheaper. Uh, he's a one-trick-ish pony, Josh Uche. He plays for the New England Patriots. Last year, he had 11 sacks for them, 11 and a half sacks. 6'3", 240, he really has one really good skill. And it's a valuable skill in the NFL. He can get to the quarterback. He's a speed rusher around the edge. I like the fit for him because he is a true outside linebacker uh, at 6'3", 240. So he's a guy who could play alongside a Trayvon Walker. Right. Um, you have Trayvon on the field, on the inside interior a little bit with him coming around the edge with that speed rush. I think it could fit. He also might not cost you that high of a draft pick. Some of the reported say in the range of a fourth-round pick, the Patriots might be willing to move on from him. This is the last year of his contract, so he would either walk or the Jaguars would have to find a way to get a deal done if they really wanted to keep that guy. If they did go and get a deal done. And I like, I like it. Again, a guy that would be a half-year rental, yes. and he's coming to win you a playoff game, win you a Super Bowl, get you over that hump. So you had Trayvon slide. I, I, to me, I think Trayvon is more that natural inside guy. At this point in his career, maybe in year three, year four, he's that outside guy. I think he's good with his hand in the dirt and, and move him inside. And you add a like, guy like Uche on the outside, I think that's a perfect fit. Yeah, he, and he'd fill the role of what we that you saw the Jaguars getting from Art and Key a year ago. Similar to that. All right, so I feel like, you, and Justin picked a different guy as a trade target. He's a guy that I really like. We talked about him last week on the show. Uh, but I think the build is a little bit different. While my guy, I almost see him as a one-year rental role player. You bring him in, get the job done. Justin's the swing for the fences, which is what I love uh, uh, about this guy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like Chase Young. He's my swing for the fence target. Commander's defensive end, and and you know Washington, a little bit of a of a logjam. Okay, you got Montez Sweat. You already got Jonathan Allen down there. Um, you've got too many guys on that defensive side of the ball that have either gotten paid or are going to get paid. Uh, you, you keep a Montez Sweat, and you got to get rid of Chase Young. You keep Chase Young, got get, get rid of Montez Sweat. You can't keep all these defensive guys. Chase Young is a guy. He's 24 years old, 6'5", 265, fourth-year guy. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. 14 career sacks. Yes, the injury history is a concern. He had a knee issue. But you feel like Chase Young, he's kind of the guy. He's a Jadavion Clowney kind of guy where – High-drafted guy, second overall pick a few years ago. Y you think he's got more of an upside than a Josh Uche. Now, yes, he's going to cost a little bit more than Josh Uche, but you figure that Chase Young could be a guy that sticks around ne next year. If you lose a Josh Allen or somehow you franchise Josh and you're able to get Chase back, I, it, it's a swing for the fences kind of move. J Jamal talked about this last week on our podcast, and Chase Young was a guy that, Jamal thought, man, this guy could be great. I love Chase Young. Going to cost a lot. Risk-reward, boom-bust kind of situation. Chase Young is that, but I love to see Jacksonville swing for the fences and get a guy with that high upside end for maybe more than just this season.
Look, it, it definitely is a swing for the fence. I love a good home run swing, especially for a guy that might not cost you an arm and a leg because Washington's probably resigned to the fact that they probably are going to end up letting him walk. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Chase Young has five sacks this year. He's been lights out. He is a fantastic talent. If the light comes fully on, you're talking about having an elite guy in your building. The problem is similar to what you had with Josh Allen coming into the year. Chase Young's been injured. He hasn't produced out on the field. Mm -hmm. and, but when he's healthy, he has. Right. So you have a lot of questions around Chase. He, it hasn't been the upper echelon of production right. from him that many expected him, especially with the, the splash that he's had at times when he's been on the field. So with Chase, the problem is he's going to get paid. He is. He is going to get <laughs> paid. So if you trade for him, are you trading for him? What are you giving up? And are you willing to hand him a deal at the end of the year? And keep in mind, because of the draft capital, because of the physical talent, because of the flashes, his deal, regardless of what he does the rest of the year, is probably going to – it might not get as high as what Josh Allen's will be based on the production we're seeing from him this year, but it's going to be in that range. Yeah. He's going to – like if, if $107 million is where the, the Packers have put the market, he's going to be in the $80, 90000000 million range without having maybe produced elite numbers. Yeah, and, I mean, it's a similar situation. You look at a, a quarterback who goes high in the draft one year yes. and is, is traded off or, you know, reclamation project. When you look like a Josh Rosen, you know, some people think they could resurrect him. So Chase Young is that kind of guy where a team is going to probably overpay for him, whether it be it this year or next year on the open market, and they're going to expect something where that – Number two overall draft pick thinks you should get. You may not get that production, but Chase Young would be coming from a good commander's defense to a good Jacksonville defense and could supply what that team is missing, what it has lacked, that Arden key role, and a little bit more. So swing for the fences. He's a fallback option if you don't re-sign Josh Allen. So I like to swing for the fences. Young pass rushers are always in demand. There's a reason why these guys never become free agents. The team that trades for this guy is going to have to have a plan on how to retain him because if not, it doesn't make sense. If he hits the street, he's going to get a big deal from somewhere. It's just what happens around the NFL. All right, the Jaguars are in a good spot, though. Even if they don't make a deal, the Jaguars are in a good spot. Let's take a look at the AFC South. They're sitting pretty comfortably in the standings here. Six and two, the closest team to them right now, the Texans at three and four. They're tied with the Titans, who are three and four. Now, keep in mind, the Jaguars still play the Texans one more time. And two games against the Titans last week, the only team in the AFC South besides the Jaguars that walked away with the win was the Titans. Will Levis did play really some really good football, so we could see the Titans maybe making a late push if Levis can keep playing well. So that could provide a little bit of competition yeah, down the stretch. I, I'm not sold on that. I mean, D-Hop had a great game. Yes. Will Levis, his first game. I mean, it, once I'm not on the, the Will Levis, the C.J. Stroud kind of bandwagon. I don't think he's there. I think once teams get that film on Will Levis, he's going to come back a little bit more to earth. Not worried about that as I am C.J. Stroud. Texans worry me far more than the Titans do at this point. All right, well, don't worry. We'll get to see the <laughs> Titans and possibly Will Levis. Let's take a look at what's left of the Jaguars' schedule. Just a, These are the next few weeks to see the Titans up there once. The Texans are there. That's the final game with them. And then we got some Monday night football on the schedule against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's going to be a big game there. Uh, that Cleveland Browns game, a sneaky one. Even though the Browns, maybe quarterback is a question mark for them. You know, look, that defense is elite. So this is a tough stretch for the Jaguars, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that Niners game to me is, 
Lost a little bit of that luster, but um, since uh, they're losing streak, but again, you got C-Mac and the, the Niners offense going to get back on track. You know that. The Titans are always the Titans. The Texans games are a little bit worrisome. And then that Browns game. I mean, the Browns have kind of come out of nowhere. And uh, even though they really don't have a quarterback situation resolved at this point, Miles Garrett and company are getting it done. And, uh, man, that Bengals game before that, you know, Joe Burrow and Cincy are going to be uh, clicking at that point in the year. So that's going to be a great one. All right, five games on the screen. What's a record coming out of that five-game stretch that you're comfortable with? Uh, three and two. Three and two? I think three like and two. Like that? Yeah. Okay. Hey, we can work with that. All right, that keeps the Jaguars firmly in the playoff conversation. So it's still early in the season, but we're going to start talking playoff picture. Playoffs? I mean, they're right. six games. So uh, let's take a look at what the AFC playoff picture looks like right now. The Jaguars with that 6-2 and two record are right there in the thick of things. With the Ravens, that means that Ravens game late in the season, really important. The Dolphins, another team in Florida that's been doing some good things. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. And then there's the Browns. Jaguars just beat the Steelers and have already beat the Bills. So Jaguars are in a, a pretty good place right now. Absolutely. And, and you figure you've already gone through the Bills. Beat the Ravens last year. You've seen them already. You're going to see them again this year. Um, the Bengals are going to be in there, even though they're not in that picture right now. So, uh, yeah, it, it's great to see Jacksonville at 6-2. and two. I mean, it blows my mind right now to, to, to see them really neck and neck with some of these great teams in that AFC, and you're talking Jacksonville, if it can continue that momentum. I mean, there's no reason that this team cannot be that number one seed in the AFC playoffs. It would be fantastic to have the Chiefs have to come here. That, that would definitely be a help. We'll see if the Jaguars can have that sort of strong finish to the year. They've definitely had a strong start to it. Six and two going into the bye week. A uh, lot of football left to be played in the season. Hey, I want to kind of a little bit of a tease here. We've been doing these on Monday night. We've got something special planned for you for the stretch of the season as the Jaguars hype really starts to build toward the postseason. We'll give you some more details on that in the weeks to come. But hey, thanks for hanging out with us here live online on NewsForJax.com and in the NewsForJax Plus app on Teal the Show Plus. Hopefully we'll see you here back next week. Same time, same place. Good night, everybody, and go Jacks.